Well, we were talking about match day 30 as far as the Premier Soccer League is concerned right here in South Africa. Well, it is still on, hey? Still so much to play for this weekend. So we've come to the end of the road, though, uh, for the 2018-2019 EPL campaign. And what a remarkable season it has turned out to be. And when you look at it, though, although the three teams will be relegated, have already been determined. We go into the final game, final match day, with the title still undecided. You look at Manchester City, you look at Liverpool. They've taken this race right down to the wire. And who better to chat to than the legendary Peter Drury. Joining me on the line all the way from the UK. Peter, thanks so much for joining us on Marawa Sports Worldwide. Good evening. It's really good to speak to you. How are you doing? I'm very well, Peter, man. It's, 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 it's been a while. And, and what a moment to chat to you because as we sit here, we have absolutely no idea who will win this. The twists and turns of this EPL have been crazy. It's been brilliant. It's been really, really good. And, you know, last year we had to sit and admire, and we did admire. We loved the way Manchester City played their football, but they left the rest behind. And by this stage of the season, we were left grasping for points of interest and and scrapping around for, for the bits and pieces. But here we are this year coming to the climactic weekend and still at the very, very top, the biggest issue of them all, all things are possible. Uh, It is remarkable, and I know I'm not the first to say this, uh, nor will I be the last, but you have to feel very sorry for whichever club comes second, because both would be entitled to say any other year, any other year, we would have walked away with this prize. Um, But someone on Sunday is going to come second. And, and the one thing, Peter, I've been listening to so many different pundits, and I agree with them. I agree with what you've just said now, because you look at a team like Liverpool, who've lost just one game. Manchester City have lost four, but it's about the draws that Liverpool have had that puts them in this situation that with 94 points, any other season, you win it clean. There is no problem there. What if these two coaches, these two managers in Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, brought to the EPL to raise the standards on so many different fronts? Well, it's so hard to identify individual factors, but they have brought with them, um, in their own very separate ways, a degree of uh, intensity and purpose, which is very, very rare, I think, in sport. I I suppose in whichever game we, we happen to follow, we could all identify coaches, rugby, cricket, whatever, uh, who who somehow take it to another level. And just seeing the way that those two work with their players as human beings and elicit from them the very, very best they can achieve time after time after time is what makes them stand out. And, and, and that is particularly pertinent to this Premier League race because what... What has been remarkable since maybe the end of January is that both teams have just kept on winning, you know, which is particularly exasperating for Liverpool, who, who keep waiting for City to have this one slip-up, and they don't. And I, I think anybody who's, been, who's played sport at any level, actually, any level, um, if you put in your ultimate performance one day, as perhaps normal mortals like you and I might, one day play the best you've ever played, and somebody asks you to repeat that three days later, you're probably going to struggle. And somehow these coaches have got from their players the, the, the desire 
to achieve an elite level twice a week for three months relentlessly. And, and I just think it's, it's very, very special. I look back at a remarkable Champions League week for English teams <laughs> on both fronts, even last yeah. night again. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, Peter, what does this say now in terms of the strength, not only commercially, of this league? Well, uh, clearly commercially, it is very, very strong. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't say I'm sceptical. I'm not sceptical. I'm thrilled because I'm proud to, to, um, to, in some sense, involve myself with the English Premier League. And we are very proud of our league, and I, I think we're entitled to be. Um, but we've been carried away by our league sometimes before. You know, a decade or so ago, we, we were getting a lot of teams in the Champions League final and some in the UEFA Cup and then Europa League final. And I, before, before I convinced myself that our league, the English league, was head and shoulders above the rest, I'd need to see it happen two or three years running. There, there's no reason to suppose that this at the moment is anything more in European terms um, than a blip. I mean, we've had in recent years Real Madrid against Atletico Madrid a couple of times. Barcelona have been in finals. Juventus have been in one or two recently. And yes, England had Liverpool in the final last year. But actually, we haven't been overly represented. So this time, we are as represented as it's possible to be. And yeah, let's really enjoy the moment. Let's really enjoy the moment. But I think we would be wise to remain a little bit humble and understand that the rest will be after us now. And that, of course, is the nature of top-level sport. It's great. As soon as you are the champion, somebody else wants that crown. Um, and, and I really hope that the Spanish League and the Italian League and the French League and all the, the other leagues around Europe are gunning for us now because that is what creates great sporting competition. <laughs> and that competition, Peter, you're going to be in the mix of it here. Just starting off with Man City, because of everything that has to do with permutations, I always find it quite intriguing. You know, it's all about what's happening next door, what's the next team doing. Uh, but for City, it's very simple that they will win the Premier League title if they win. A narrow defeat, though, would also be enough if Liverpool failed to beat Wolves. But the funny part, though, <laughs> which I was like, wow, okay, great, is that Liverpool would win the title if they win and City failed to win. Now, Brighton and Hove, yes. Albion, my goodness, can they spring the surprise, really? Well, uh, it really would be a surprise, wouldn't it? It really would. Um, I mean, I've been sitting doing my notes today, looking at it and thinking of all the various permutations. And you're right, actually, from my perspective, it's very easy, because if they win, they win. It, you know, it, it is straightforward. But all sorts have gone through my head. I was thinking... What about if Manchester City drop points and I'm there commentating at Brighton, thinking, goodness me, what a story this is. It's getting away from Manchester City. And then suddenly I hear that Wolves have scored at Anfield. Oof. And you think, actually, Manchester City are not going to win the game, but they are still going to win the league. You know, and, and so curious things could happen. But I, I don't think there's any doubt that the uh, apparently more straightforward game, albeit that they're away from home, is Manchester City's game. Brighton um, actually ran them very close in an FA Cup semi-final the other week uh, in, in what was a little bit of a non-event, truth be told. Um, but, of course, City beat them. Uh, their former home, Brighton, has been absolutely dreadful. I think they've won just once at home in the Premier League since the turn of the year. Uh, and, and there is no logical, rational um, explanation for anything other 
than a Manchester City win. If, if they didn't win, if they slipped up now after some of the games that they've got through against much, much sterner opposition, um, it would be a seismic shock. <laughs> I, I would be staggered. But then it's just, you know, if we knew, we wouldn't bother playing the games, would we? No, exactly. <laughs> who, who would have thought, you know, the, the, the great comebacks of midweek as far as European football is concerned. But, Peter, the one thing that I, I noted again um, in, in trying to maybe go for Brighton and Hove Albion support base, fan base, whatever you want to call it. And then I looked at the goals that Man City have scored, an all-time record of 159 goals in all competitions, yeah. and Brighton have only scored 44. Well, exactly. I mean, Manchester City are so full of goals, and, and Brighton, uh, that is the very area in which they've struggled. Um, so often, um, there, there's an old sort of musical joke about various clubs over the years in um, in, in English football, when you hear the very um, grave English accent of, of the guy who reads the football results famously on the BBC on a Saturday afternoon, yeah. and people become confused because they, um, they, they think the name of the club is actually Brighton and Hove Albion Nil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's so often said they don't, um, yeah, they don't score they don't score enough goals, Brighton. That's the truth. Yeah. But of course, it only takes one to win a game. And, and oddly enough, um, you quite rightly, quite rightly mentioned the extraordinary number of goals that Manchester City have scored this season. But actually, their last four wins, the four wins that have taken them up to this point in the Premier League, have been 1-0, 2-0, 1-0, 1-0. So actually, in this key month, um, they've been sort of doing it at the margins. That is that is ridiculous, Peter, because yeah. as ridiculous as... You know when you start digging up information ahead of a weekend like this, and another thing that I found quite peculiar as well, uh, that they've managed to defeat all other 19 teams in the Premier League this season for a second successive season. And the only other yeah. top division side to achieve this was Preston, and that was back in 1888. Well, that, that's the great line. And I must say, that's what I didn't have. I'll write that down, Robert. <laughs> Please go ahead. Peter. Well, yeah, I'll send you a text with it later. Well, you better send me a bill. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, uh, it's, um, it's a very good line. I mean, it, they, are, they are phenomenal. I mean, it, you know, it's, what's brilliant this year is that Liverpool have run them so close, even if Liverpool do pull up a point short. That Liverpool's contribution has been magnificent because, on the whole, as we saw last year, Manchester City should pull away from the pack and, and win it easing up. And, and it's to Liverpool's great credit that even though the likelihood is, not the certainty, but the likelihood is they'll end up with the silver medal. Um, You know, they they are the ones really who have given those of us who watch it neutrally um, a a narrative to get our teeth into. So, you know, we have to be, assuming they are the runners-up, we have to be very, very grateful to Liverpool. And by the way, if Liverpool win it, then equally we should continue to admire Manchester City. Yeah. I, I, I hear that argument and I agree with it 100%, Peter, because, again, in, in trying to dig up all of this, because it's been such a unique season, and then finding the fact that with the 94 points that we've just spoken about now for Liverpool, they would have already won the title in 24 of the previous 26 Premier League seasons. Now, Precisely. That is, it's, that it's, is crazy. It's, yeah. It is crazy. It's 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 sort of that this thing has ripped up all precedent. And just as last year, Manchester City ripped up all precedent by making it a one-horse race. 
this two-horse race surpasses anything else we know. And, and th- th- this is exactly it. The runners-up w- would win it. I keep using these same three words. Any other year, any other year, these poor guys who are going to come second um, would have walked it. And Liverpool, who are, as you well know, because I know how very well-supported Liverpool are in South Africa, um, Liverpool is a very, very famous football club which has had great, great days in the past. And yet, statistically, this is as good as any of their great seasons in the past, back in the 70s and 80s, when they were wiping the floor with everybody else. This season is, is better than anything they did then. And yet, they might not get a medal for it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's so, it's, it must be very hard for them because people keep throwing beating them with this stick of their own history and saying, actually, Liverpool are going to struggle. They're going to struggle because they have this weight of history like no other club has. And, and that's what's going to stop them. Well, in fairness to the manager and the players, the weight of that history hasn't burdened them at all. And they, they have, statistically again, they have um, outstripped their own history. They've gone beyond their own history. And it's not, it's, you can hardly blame these players for the fact that having achieved that, you know, never mind the great days of the Keegans and Doug Leashes and Toshaks and Highways and, and all of those back to the 60s and 70s and 80s. They've gone past them, and yet they're not, unless something curious happens at Brighton on Sunday afternoon, they're not going to be the champions. And it, it's a very, it's, a, it's almost a, a sort of contortion of reality. Um, it's crazy. It's on, crazy. On, on but many it, different it's, it's friends, a brilliant again. story. I was saying on many yeah. different fronts. When you talk about uh, the history making again, Peter, uh, you find the, these youngsters and Trent Alexander Arnold. Uh, you look at Andy Robertson, both of them sitting on 11 assists already so far, and one assist away from setting a new record for most assists by a defender in a Premier League season. Now, how better a chance than, you know, sure. Sometimes you never know what's going through Jürgen Klopp's head. He brings in Gomez like he did in the first leg and things kind of went pear-shaped. Uh, but Trent Alexander-Arnold has been a revelation. Robertson has been a revelation. Yeah, uh, they, they are brilliant players. I, uh, and, and what I'm about to say in no way detracts from what they've done because yeah. w- within, the, within the Premier League uh, era, um, their statistics speak for themselves. What I would say, and I, I'm sure... Um, football fans listening to us now would concur with this as you would, is that the role of the fullback has altered radically in recent years so, so that there is a much greater uh, emphasis on attack from a fullback than there was back in the 1980s, 90s, e- even at the turn of the century. So these days, a fullback, I, I mean, they are phenomenal athletes. They get up and down the pitch so much because they do have a defensive duty. And yet, increasingly, they play the role of what we used to call wingers. Yeah. You know, they are, they are taking on the opposition fullback in the way that, that a wide midfield player used to. And so they have, if they're good enough, and, and the two you mentioned here, Robertson and Alexander-Arnold, are very, very good, they have the opportunity to um, create assists, which, which um, fullbacks of yesteryear wouldn't have even considered to be a part of their role. Um, but but I admire them all the more for that because they, they are they, they are in effect doing the job of what 25 years ago two men did. Wow.
Sure. Peter, I'm getting so many messages here on, on, on Twitter, people asking me which has been the greatest game that you've done this season. I mean, we were sitting back and watching, again, Manchester City, Vincent Company, uh, pulling off some, <laughs> something ridiculous. And I think you also kind of pulled out some of your best uh, Peter Drury moments linguistically and otherwise. But for you, what has been that game, that the greatest that you put right up there, number one? The, the the best Premier League game of this year, oh that is that is, that is a tough one. Um, the, the thing is, they have been at the margins. They haven't necessarily been goal filled games. Uh, I mean, I must say, Newcastle Liverpool the other night actually, when Origi got that late winner at, uh, at Newcastle, I, I would put that right up there. Only because actually, and, and again, we we have to be very careful about not being too pompous about our league, which we love so much, but. What that game said about our league was that its integrity is fantastic. That Newcastle United, with a much-loved former Liverpool manager in charge, with nothing actually to play for, you know, they were safe, there was nothing on their agenda at all, they stood up, went toe-to-toe, and gave Liverpool an almighty fright. And it was such a fantastically competitive football match. And, of course... The final twist was Liverpool scoring and keeping the whole thing bubbling. So I, I, think, I think I'd go a long way to find a better one than that. But, um, you know, I've, I've probably seen 80 Premier League games this season, so I'm probably missing one somewhere <laughs> in, the, in the distant past. But that, that is the one that's fresh in the memory now. But, oh. but I must say, again, that, that watching the way Liverpool have played this season has been a joy. And watching the way Manchester City have played this season has been an equal joy and a challenge because, truth be told, we're running out of different ways to articulate it because they are, they are just beautiful purveyors of our game. You are going to be at the Manchester City game, Peter. And, um, yes. Just a quick one. Just in terms of protocol, Peter Drury is at home, wakes up, uh, has a bit of breakfast, and the focus begins when, I know it's already started, given how much you prepare, Peter, uh, but just a, a quick protocol to put us into the mind of what drills you go through before you sit down and grab that mic. Yeah, well, um, actually, I t- today and, and a fair bit of yesterday have been um, preparatory days. So right now, the, the nuts and bolts of my notes are ready. Um, but but for especially for a big day like this, actually mentally, I never really turn off. So I'm constantly thinking of, of little nuances and things that might be said and so on. Tomorrow, very rarely, of course, doesn't very often happen, but I've got a Saturday off. So I'm, I'm playing cricket tomorrow. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a worry, isn't it? That's a, I mean, it's, it's a worry for me because I'm not very good. But anyway, that's, that's by the by. So tomorrow I should play cricket. But, um, and then on Sunday, I will get up and I'll get the train down to Brighton. And um, I'll be scribbling away on my notes all the way down there as well and, and, uh, and thinking about it and being in touch with people and seeing, seeing what's, what's being written in the, um, in the English Sunday newspapers. Um, and I'll get to the ground about three hours before the game kicks off. Um, and then I'll do what I always do, which is mill around, talk to other journalists, talk to other television broadcasters, uh, be around the tunnel, see who's fit, see who's not fit and just set myself to go. The, the, the really important thing I've found over the years of doing these big decisive days yeah. is not to 
lock myself or oneself into any single mindset. It's really important to keep uh, a mind open to the possibilities because uh, there is a great temptation uh, on Sunday morning, or there will be, to get to the ground at Brighton with the built-in assumption that I'm about to call Manchester City champions. And, you know, that is a real danger because it might not happen. And I have to have a mind that's ready to adjust to uh, the other possibility. (laughs) And, of course, I also have to understand that if that other possibility happens, that those people with the capacity to watch either match or both, you know, you're likely to be turning to Anfield, aren't you? I mean, if... If, um, it's one or the if other. Brighton go one up and Liverpool go one up, you know, I know where I'd be. I'd be at Anfield. Yeah. But, you know. But that's because, where you are for the evening. Just a quick yeah. one, Peter. Sorry to cut in. Uh, we are running out of time, but we got somebody sure. who's just sent us a voice note who believes that uh, you've inspired him uh, so much that he could do a Peter Drury impersonation. Well, good, <laughs> he, good luck to him. The it. legendary Peter Drury. I'll never forget it. One of his uh, commentary on that match of Barcelona against uh, Roma. And it was like, Roma have risen from their wounds. Manolas, the Greek god in Rome. The unthinkable unfolds before our eyes. This was not meant to happen. This could not happen. This is happening. Barcelona extraordinarily administered from elimination. And Dean Francesco doesn't know where to go. Iniesta doesn't know where to look. And it's the Greek from Mount Olympus who has come from the seventh hills of Rome and pulled off a miracle. What a legend. Peter Drury, one of my favorite commentators on earth. Peter Drury. You see what you do to people, Peter? Oh, bless him. Well, that was... <laughs> That's that's beyond flattering. That's lovely. And lovely. And by the way, he's got the gig. He, 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 delivered, <laughs> he delivered that beautifully. And, and, oh. and honestly, that makes me that makes me feel very small when I hear things like that. But because, uh, as I always say, well, two things. One, as a commentator, you're only good. You're only as good as the moment you get given. Yeah. It's the players who play. And two, however flattering moments like that are for someone like me, we always have to remember that people turn on the television or the radio for the game. They only turn on for the game. And the commentator, as I say, is audio wallpaper. We're nothing more than a little bit of decoration around the outside. So if they like the decoration, that's lovely. And that, I, I really am very grateful for, uh, for that lovely gentleman who's just called in and done that. Well, we love the decoration more and more and more. Let us know if you're coming down to South Africa. We'd love to host you, as we've said all the time, Peter. But thank you so much. Good luck for final match day on Sunday. We're looking forward to it every step of the way. Fantastic. Really good to talk to you. Thank you, and thanks to everybody there. Highly appreciated. Peter Drury there, uh, coming live from the UK. He'll be in charge of that Man City game. Uh, you can give us a call, actually, 89 or you can give us a call, 011-089-110-2000, if you're on tickets for the Pirates game. I do believe there's about, what, 40-odd. So if you phone us very quickly, you can get those quick and sharp. Mac Massina is here already. He's going to be taking us through the Bulls and Crusaders game coming through from Loftus uh, together with uh, Gary Struble uh, standing by to take us through. Have a great weekend. Thanks again, Peter Drury. Company. Had a look. Had a hit.
A wild celebration for a goal from his wildest dreams. Viola came off the bench in that game against Cardiff. Goal amid to the six-yard box. It is swung in. The header! Divock Origi! Liverpool have life! Set pieces! Produce again for the...